Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Worcester Culture Watch. I'm your host, Victor Infante, entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and the content editor for Worcester Magazine, and this is just in. I'm now the pet correspondent for the Lemonster Champion. I beg your pardon? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 that's not true. If you could talk to the animals, right? If I could talk to the animals. You did say pet. Pet, yes. This is, you know, I've read about lost pets. I actually used to <laughs> I actually used to write an animal animal beat, mostly animal shelters. But did you, um, didn't you used to have a pet romance column or something? A vice column? <laughs> a pet romance column. A pet, a pet okay, romance. this has gone already <laughs> off the rails in less than 30 seconds. We're going to call that a new record. I'm in the studio today with Telegram and Gazette reporter Craig Seaman. How are you today, Hey, Craig? Victor, it's good to see you. Congratulations on your new uh, venture of pet report. <laughs> <laughs> Pets are very interesting uh. topics for journalism, trust me. They're, they're all the rage. Every <laughs> I think every newspaper is going to be putting kittens on the front. And right of course, not to uh, digress or continue this, uh, you have the coolest pet in the world. I do. My my pets are amazing. <laughs> so. yeah. But um, I have ferrets, and my yes. ferrets rock. <laughs> but um, okay, hi, <laughs> we are back. Um, today's Worcester Magazine is out today, and we don't usually put celebrities on the cover. But when the celebrity is Bruce Campbell. You can't, we kind of got to. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> we we kind of got to. That's right. Now, Bruce Campbell is coming to Rock and Shock this week. So tell us a little bit about what Bruce is really like and what's going on at Rock and Shock. Well, this is, I, I mean, this is great. This is, I mean, we have the wonderful Rock and Shock thing. Uh, matters what record you look. I, I believe it's 15 years in existence. Uh, the place has been going on there. And Campbell is the most... Not only the most requested guest at the popular horror convention, uh, organizers have been trying to get the Ash actor since day one. Mm. And for whatever reason, he has never been able to do it. And uh, as he told me on the phone, every year is different in this road show called Bruce Campbell. And it was due. He has been in Worcester before. He did do a book signing a long time ago for his first book at the Tantic Bookseller when I believe it was still in Worcester. Mm. So, but uh, it's long overdue. He's a favorite. He's been in the area, Boston area, plenty of times. And uh, the guy's a hoot. Definitely. And he loves this, and he loves the fans. And uh, as he told me on the phone that uh, he will... will, torment you if you're shy when you come up to his table <laughs> and he does promote the fact that you should bring dress up for the photo ops bring props have fun because you're gonna put this on your mantle next to the uh, the Dexter, Comic-Con there, so. now let's take a second step back just a little yeah. bit because we might have some listeners that i i should mention something 
really quick. Yeah. A quick segue. Um, we are in the middle of what we would call a pilot program of this podcast being re-aired oh. on Unity Radio 97.9. Um, we did a, worked out well last week. We're going to try it again this week. We're going to see if this works. You know, we're trying things out. If it works for them, if it works for us, we'll keep doing it. Um, but, you know, by all means, drop us a line on um, our Facebook account on Worcester Magazine and let us know what's going on, if you like this or not. Anyways, we're back to this. Um Tell us, for those who might yeah. not be familiar, a little bit about what Rock and Shock is. Okay, well, Rock and Shock is uh, a horror convention yep. uh, for horror movie lovers. Uh, it's been very popular. Uh, it, uh, one of the co-founders was uh, is Kevin Barbary, a popular, a former popular AAF disc jockey, and he was on XL for a while. Guy's a wonderful guy, and uh, Gina. I forget Sheena's last name at the moment, but she was long connected with the Palladium. <laughs> and they had this great idea, and uh, they've been bringing some uh, A-list people in the Hollywood uh, community there. George Romero, uh, George A. Romero, the father of uh, zombie movies has been there. Robert Englund, uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, Adrian Barbeau has been there, Linda Blair. So they, uh, you, they, and uh, and they've had their share of Walking Dead stars when Walking Dead was starting to become a big deal. Yeah. So they've always it's just very entertaining. The crowds, despite the horror aspect of the crowd, I think horror fans are probably the nicest people in the world, and they're not. 99% of them are crazy <laughs> or uh, slashes to be and it's a hoot and uh, and there's always a lot of good setups there and uh, panels and of course the horror convention is only half of the half of the yes, event yes there's the also other the, half, uh, the music portion yeah the Palladium which is mostly um, you've got hardcore and heavy metal on one night or on one or two nights and yeah, then usually Kind of juggalo oriented yeah, hip hop on the other. Insane Clown Posse's a headliner on Saturday. Uh, uh, two bands that are uh, uh, on Friday, Elusivite, I think you pronounce it, and Corporani. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I was having this problem. Uh, some of the names, not only are the names getting hard to pronounce for some of these bands. Mm hmm. The, the the script that they use to write them oh it's even, always they're using archaic yeah is even terrible is these even crazy to read and um, on Sunday uh, municipal waste and napalm death you can't be the <laughs> we do have an we have an interview with municipal waste in this week's Worcester magazine by Robert Deguay it's a very good story. Um, anyways, but let's get back to Bruce Campbell. Let's get back to yeah, and, the horror you, side and, of things. And, and, uh, for, and as you uh, hinted, for those who might not know who Bruce Campbell is, anybody who's into B-movies or horror movies certainly knows who Bruce Campbell is. In 79, Campbell and his high school pal and future A-list Hollywood director Sam Raimi and fellow Michigan, uh, Michigan uh, native Rob Tappert Scrapped up uh, three hundred fifty thousand dollars and went out into the woods to shoot the low budget, The Evil Dead, which took them four years on and off to finish. Not only did it become an instant cult classic, and one of the most successful independent films ever made, The Evil Dead spawned two sequels: 1987's Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn and 1992's Army of Darkness. And last year. Uh, 
Campbell finished uh, three seasons, the third and final season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm. And uh, which, as far as he's concerned, this is the end of the character for him and the end of the Evil Dead or the Deadite universe, as far as he's concerned. He's not retiring from acting. He's just retiring from a very technically demanding type of acting, not the craft itself. And uh, Campbell, for those who might not be familiar with Evil Dead movies, uh, he's very good friends with Sam Raimi, who did the first three Spider-Man movies, and I think still did the best one, the second one with uh, Dr. Octopus there. Uh, He's made cameos in that, and also he was on a long-running show called Burnt Notice. Yeah, which was... Yeah. He was great on. And he was also on a fabulous show that unfortunately didn't last that long, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Yeah. And he's been in a lot of things, and he's worked with uh, Lee Majors on Ash vs. Evil Dead, and he did do a... Uh, he did work besides another living legend, or not living anymore, Ernest Borgnine, hmm. in the ma- remake of McKill's Navy. So, uh, and, and he's a lot of fun. He's a funny guy. He's a lot of fun. He's embraced the B-movie actor thing, as, as he told me, because I asked him, and I didn't, I didn't put this in the story I wrote, if the Evil Dead did not become what it became, would he have gone a different path and he said he'd probably be doing dinner theater in Michigan <laughs> he, he already had the acting bug he's a lot of fun he's one of the hardest working guys I have ever talked to or seen he has a best selling uh, uh, his last book uh, Hail to the Chin Further Confessions of a B-movie actor New York Times bestseller and he worked to sell every one of those copies. He did a rigorous book tour where he was playing uh, major cities and not so major cities, including Boston. And he would uh, engage the crowd. He had a show, a uh, thing called Last Fan Standing, which was a geeky uh, type of uh, contestant show. It wasn't on TV, in which he asked questions like, uh, what kind of ship is this from Star Trek? Or who was the killer in this movie? So the guy's a lot of fun. I think people are going to be so thrilled. And I think people are going to really show up at this thing to see him. I think so. And uh, in addition to him... Uh, we do have two of the girls, uh, excuse me, two of the women who uh, are connected with uh, the Evil Dead uh, movies, Alan Sanwise and Teresa Tilly. Uh, the names might not be familiar, but I'm sure as soon as you see their 8x10s on their table, uh-huh. you will recognize them in their deadite form. <laughs> and uh, there was a third one that was going to show up, but she couldn't make it. Uh, Bill Mosley, who uh, is an, uh, a Rob Zombie alum. Uh, who's uh, one of the stars of Three from Hell, which actually did very well in their one-night release, and they're going to be re-releasing that again. Another thing I'm thrilled with, Ray Wise. Now, he is actually coming to the convention? Bill Bill Wellesley is, not Rob Zombie. No, Ray Wise. Have you heard something? Oh, yes, he's coming to the convention. There was an event he was going to do at Knicks, but that that, got canceled. But he's, for whatever reason... Is not doing the next thing. The, gotcha. the show with Dan Burke, which is worth seeing. Oh yeah, Dan Burke's uh, all worth, yeah. Burke's worth seeing. Playing Twin Ozone. Peaks type music. Yeah, is, is a hoot. Last year we had a uh, um, the guy who played Bobby Briggs, uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, Dana Ashbrook. And so this year we have Ray Wise. 
Sherilyn Fenn and Eric DeRay. For Twin Peaks fans, you probably know who these people are already, but we're talking Leland Palmer, Father Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. Sherilyn Fenn, Audrey Horn, and Eric DeRay, Leo Johnson. So that's to me, is exciting. Derek Mears, who's always a hoot, uh, from Jason uh, Friday 13th, the later movies, and now he's in the new version of Swamp Thing. Right. And Which has already been canceled. <laughs> it got canceled before the first. It was excellent by all by all accounts. It got fantastic reviews, I, <laughs> and they canceled it before they canceled it before the second episode. Aired. Really? Why? It's a financial thing. Oh, what a shame! And well, for people who like that or think the episode was as great as Richter does, and I don't question him on it. I haven't seen it. Uh, I am. Re- I am just parroting reviews. I have. No, seen well, it. that's fine. Uh, and uh, uh, from people you trust, yeah. obviously, uh, Ray Wise was in the original Swamp Thing movie yep. with Adrian Barbo. So you got two Swamp Things there. <laughs> uh, Adam Green, who's uh, somewhat of a hometown favorite, he's from Massachusetts, known from Hollisons. There, Kane Harder, Friday the Thirteenth. Adrian King, uh, who was in Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two. I'm not. Sh- uh, I gather she must have been some the one who lived. Somebody <laughs> survived part two. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, this had there to be was only one. <laughs> one person, one that survived. I must have popped. I. It's been a while since I've seen those movies. And another thing that's uh, I worth mentioning is, uh, we, at least I think is, uh, the opportunities of photo ops. There's a group called Feature Presentation. Uh, two wonderful people, Brandon Berry and Sadie Marceau. Uh, they they have set up replicas of the Red Room, aka the Black Lodge, mm-hmm. from the Twin from Twin Peaks, which is a hoot. So, and this year they're doing the log cabin where Ash Williams came across the Necromic- Necronomicon. Thank you. Whose text reawakens the dead when he reads it out loud. So, if you want a dynamite photo op with Ray Wise, who is still trapped in the Black Lodge, or showing fan who was trapped in a prison of her own design, or Bruce Campbell, the one and only Ash, here's your chance. Excellent. Well, that sounds like that's going to be a good time, and I've been to Rock and Shock, um, and I think it is a f- blast. And it's always a fun thing to watch people. It al- it's a good people. It always is. There's great costumes. There's always a good energy around the DCU Center. Yeah. I like the concerts, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I will admit I am, I am not much into the Juggalo scene, though I do actually find a sort of admiration for them. And an odd sort of their I I lo- love their their adherence to a culture. Well, it's funny because our parking lot that mm-hmm. we park in every day when we can find a parking space. Yeah, it's going to be crazy with oh yeah juggalos, and sometimes the party starts even before they get out of the parking lot. So yeah, but when I was reviewing Twisted at Rock and Shock a couple years back, um, like somebody saw me with my notepad and paper and. You know, taking notes, and they just walked up to me and you know stuck their middle finger in my face. <laughs> so I kind of thought it was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Well, I'm glad because that was me who did that to you. <laughs> oh, good, no, good, no, 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 no. teenage rebellion, teenage rebellion. I am okay with. Yeah. You know, it's all. I I was young once. Well, I did put him in the story. Yeah, well, they definitely, <laughs> yeah, and they do have their following. They um, do. I mean, I I, I think I the the show was fun. Yeah, it's not my music. The show was fun, and they're still doing the makeup. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I wonder how that's been taken. The Joker era of Jacqueline Phoenix. Well, I mean, they've been doing it so forever. So, forever. It's years, like, I mean, yeah, I don't think they. Can, I don't think they can let. They're gonna let a movie that's only been out a week, then yeah. like influence. Yeah. 
20 uh, something years of, <laughs> of showmanship. No, I'm surprised they're not suing them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, that was our idea, yeah. Char Queen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, actually, I think Warner Brothers gets the win on the um, killer clowns on that one because yeah. they've owned the, they own the Joker, and the Joker's been around since 1950, I want to say. 51? Oh, I think. He, he's a little later than people think. I know yeah, that. Yeah, I, I remember I interviewed the guy who created him yeah. back then. Uh, yeah, Bill Finger or Bob yeah. Kane? Bill Finger. Finger, yeah. Uh, I mean, once again, with all comic book creations that are worth talking about, there's always that little discrepancy of who yeah. did what. But uh, Finger was a, actually a great and transmitter to talk to. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. I remember that story. Yeah. All well, right. Thanks. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And everybody, uh, Worcester Magazine, it's on your newsstand. It's, it's yep. free, and it's also in our paper today, correct? Yep. It, it is indeed. And if you are, a, and, and once again, uh, Victor's been doing an incredible job editing wow, this magazine. And if you're a Bruce Campbell fan at all, this is what I uh, tweeted earlier, a keepsake issue. There's some great photos of Bruce. Uh, Bruce, uh, let me. Uh, he talked about everything about the show, uh, talked about how he would have killed the character off if it went, off, uh, went on another season. And I think he got three full-color photos of him, or maybe even four. So this is, this is worth picking up. It's worth Excellent. every penny you pay for it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to be listening to a little bit of Stan Matthews. We'll be back in a moment. Face of hate staring down at me 
just a lonely man, just a lonely man. And we're back. You have been listening to Lonely Man by the new off the new EP by Stan Matthews, classic country. I know I wrote about country music a few weeks ago, and I was mostly talking about the modern country, but Stan Matthews is kicking it back for the old school, old school fans of Hank Williams, and I, I'm glad I'm here for it. Excellent. I love that stuff. Excellent. Me too. Um, I am here. We have banished um, Craig Seaman to inside the Necronomicon, wherever the dark dimension that goes to is. Um, I'm sure he'll report back from there eventually. Um, And I have been joined in the studio by Worcester Magazine reporter Bill Shaner. Hi, Bill. Hi. How are you today? I am doing well. Um, We just both got back from a luncheon across the street where... um, you were a winner of a public occurrence award. Congratulations! Yes, I was. That was very nice. Very nice to very nice to see. Um, I was joking in the uh, uh, on Twitter about in the uh, the coming climate apocalypse, mm-hmm. I'll be able to forge that <laughs> glass plaque into a mighty blade. I think I think so. You yeah. will slay your enemies. Right, I'll slay my enemies in packs of feral dogs. Yeah, and yeah. just I, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot on this, but yeah, it was the story was um, your your classic story how sex sex ed died. Right. Yeah. And it was such a straightforward ceremony where just one after the other, and he gets to yours, and his the first one that has to come with a joke, which I find is oh, it was how, great. He, yeah. how he accidentally had left the word Ed. Yeah. He was like, oh, I was looking up the story, and I accidentally left <laughs> off Ed, so I typed in how sex died. And I was like, that couldn't be part of this. That couldn't be the story. And I was like, oh my God. All right. All right. Uh, how to get everybody's attention. Was so, was, yeah. That was like mildly embarrassing. Oh, but it, but it, <laughs> it was, was it was actually a great moment. Yeah, and it was funny. It was what, funny. It's like, cause I really do think the public occurrences awards are the most important out of this whole mess. I mean, I know. Right. Oh, Telegramming right. is that one newspaper of the year again for Sunday paper. Yay. Yeah. We're awesome. Okay. Um, but um, I do think the specific, when we can focus in on the specific work that newspapers do, I think that is yeah. really extraordinarily important. And so. there were there was a lot of, I think there were 16 stories nominated in total, and there was a lot of really good work on that, like mm-hmm. the, the the coverage of uh, Mayor Korea and uh, where is that? Fall Reeve. Fall, Fall River. Fall River. And... Uh, in the the Merrimack Valley gas fires, I know that's a good um, company to be in. Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was very very pleased to be in the company of that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. no, and and completely earned. But let's move on to mm-hmm. more contemporary matters. Right in Wisteria this week, you talk about many things actually, but you talk yeah. particularly about vaping. Yes, vaping. I am so just oppose on every level it makes me feel like a tea party person or something <laughs> to the vaping ban mm-hmm. which to me just just doesn't make any sense and i don't even understand really where it's coming from and so i the, my just in my column was that you know charlie baker must be getting a very big campaign check from convenience store owners in new hampshire because everyone who vapes either buys it from someone who drives to new hampshire or they drive to new hampshire themselves or, or they buy an off-market one off Right, wherever they get those come from, and those that, are the ones that actually were at the sort yeah. of every single one of the deaths. Right, right. I mean, like you know, I, never mind. I'm not going to make no. the joke that I was going to make. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was I was going to make a, a Republican joke, but I don't need to do that. That's cheap. Uh, no. So yeah. So I just wrote about kind of like I don't. I think that the the media 
it in general as an ecosystem is a little bit at fault in this one because mm-hmm. we, especially the cable news outlets, oh god, yes, really, really like the sort of like the, the inconsequential hysteria mm-hmm. of like in 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 context the these you know it's not as big a deal as uh as it could be but it is gripping to what i called in my column like wine moms mm-hmm. like oh oh my god i know like my kid vapes in school and like all of his friends do and oh my god they're all gonna get sick and die and they should you know that is a conversation they need to have with their children yeah right right you know as a former smoker i know all about this right but instead of you know having a conversation it's just like oh my god they're going to die and then you know everyone gets whipped up into a frenzy over something that really shouldn't be Mm -hmm. and it's sort of hard to suss out why this turned into such a big thing. Well, yeah, and I think it's, I I don't, I really wish I get, I, for about a hot minute in the 90s, I actually got, I got fed up with Bill Clinton and and left the Democratic Party and uh-huh. I had a buddy in the, in the Libertarian Party of Orange County and said, hey, become a Libertarian. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so I was a Libertarian for like five minutes. Right. And um, the thing I'd learned from them, and I think, I f- see this more in West Coast libertarians than libertarians out here, which are way more interested in guns. Right. <laughs> but um, Age of consent laws. <laughs> yeah, that's a little creepy. <laughs> and, but no, but up back there it was marijuana, all marijuana all the time. Right, that was right. the big thing there. And I could get behind that. Um, but yeah, the real like far-right libertarians and the far-left, the one thing they have in common is a consensus that prohibitions don't work. Well, yeah. And, and I think I would, most I people, so. if you ask most people, they come to that conclusion. They believe that. Right. They remember, they, they've read about, they, they've seen the outsiders, they, or what, not the outsiders, the untouchables, and they, mm-hmm. know, they know about what happened in gangland in the 30s, and they know that doesn't work, and they know in their hearts that drug prohibition is what is fueling all the narco wars in Central America <laughs> at the heart of it. And right, they they know they know these things, but somehow they think that it, and they know that people that are going to want drugs are going to get them anyways. Right, but there's still this point that there's there's voice that says, and I think it is, uh, you know, I don't, you know, maybe it is your wine moms, maybe it is, you know, moral moral majority. There's air quotes going on here. Right going on that it is that there ought to be a law. We need to shut this down. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like, obviously uh, it's a lot easier to say, oh yeah, we can just pass a law and take everything away and the problem will go away. That's a very easy thing to just be like, oh yeah, obviously the state is that powerful and society is that um, streamlined and uh, uncomplex. That that would work, and it, it's easy to just sort of like put that on paper and be like, "See, we're doing something," but it, uh, it doesn't really do anything besides create a, um, create a, a black market uh, of people other driving to New Hampshire. Or if it was even harder to get than New Hampshire, people would be making their own, and the people who are getting popcorn lung uh, are the ones that are either making their own or using. Uh, make your own cartridges. And it's more on the weed side than on the tobacco, tobacco the side. nicotine side anyway. And 
I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. Yeah, it, it is, it is. Hey, let's make this like, like, let's take what few controls we had over the keep to keep this at least reasonably safe. Right. And it's a drug. There's no, there's no getting behind right. behind it. It's never going. To, I, I never want to pretend that any of this is safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you full well. If you're an adult, you know right. this. They call this a vice for a reason. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's. If you know, if you want, but we have prohibition has never actually worked. All it does is take away an ability to deal with it for families and social workers and priests and doctors and the the people that you know, the people that you would want. (laughs) I have I have no problem with vice taxes. I think that it's it's, if it's spent well into good programming, it's good. And I'm of the opinion that the the best way to handle things like this is to make it as above board, legit, and legal as you can. And I, I honestly would, you know, well, you know, it's lucky that I'm not, you know, the, the dictator of the world because just you should just legalize every drug and vice that people do. I think there's a very sensible argument for that in there. I mean, if any way, it decriminalizes. Right. The, because, you know, like I said, it's like, I don't really think the court system has ever solved anybody's heroin problem. No. They like to talk about... <laughs> the programs that they have that help people, but it is always cushioned, couched in the fact that their enterprise is ruining people's lives. It is. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, it, the, when ultimately when you see what people that have managed to pull the, themselves back from the abyss, it's not been because the, the no. court system, it's been because there has been somebody there that was able to help. Right. Right. And that person was rarely ever from the state. Maybe, no. maybe sometimes, maybe a social worker somewhere out there. Yeah, I've, I've known a few good some, ones. Someone you really connect with. Or, but yeah, the, but, you know, but, but it's, it's, an, it's a, a system that is not designed for that. It's it, a system that's designed to prevent that. Right, <laughs> but, right. Well, maybe inadvertently. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think that this is just um, the, a, a failed public health policy, and I don't even really understand the hardship. And I think it is hilarious doing this right on the heels of when we just legalized marijuana. Right. That was the whole point. <laughs> but do, do you think that people weren't smoking uh, vape cartridges before pot was legalized in Massachusetts? No. They were, they were uh, hacking jewels. They were making their own. They were buying them on the black market. And they were probably getting sick. Now you can actually go to a store and buy one from a place with regulations. The, and that's The how FAA has to look over. A lot FDA. of people – right. A lot of people who, uh, who smoke weed now – pretty much only just go to the store and buy cartridges. And now they're like, well, what am I going to do? I can't go to New Hampshire for my weed cartridges. So they're probably going to go back to, to smoking uh, flour or if they get their hands on some homemade cartridges that they are just going to risk it. So it's like, what are you accomplishing besides making cable news and the wine moms happy for five minutes before they forget about it? Well, you know, we are coming into an election year, I believe. <laughs> that's not recall. Right. Yeah, I true, got true, true. Oh, goodness yep. gracious. It's yeah. started already. 20, 2020 might be the worst year of my life. I think it will. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think it will be for be, anybody who is vaguely re, vague yeah. political reporter. I think it's going to be among the worst years ever. I think. Uh, especially... Well, it, de- it de- depending on how the Democratic primary goes, this is it's going to be a particularly brutal year, oh. uh, regardless. But there are some real worst case scenarios, in my opinion, um, that twenty twenty uh, is going to be rough. It's, it's it's already starting. it's a long way till November, uh, <laughs> November twenty twenty. Oh man! Oh, yeah, God. no, this we are we. Are, hell, I think once Halloween passes, that's where it becomes official. <sighs> we, are, we are in the one year. I can't do it. 
one year. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm already burnt out. I don't know. It I'm hasn't looking, even 2011 hasn't even started. I'm already burnt. I'm out. I'm looking forward to President Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no. That's gonna get crazy. Oh, I whatever. God. I uh, here's my prediction about the election. You can No one can predict what is about to happen because we are already in the twilight zone. You know what? It kind of feels like uh, waiting for a season eight of Game of Thrones, <laughs> but you already know that it's going to be bad. But you're like, I have to watch it. Like, I have yeah. to know how it ends. Yeah. I have to see it, but I know it's going to be bad. You're like, there's no, like, there's no even glimmer of hope that this is going to be like a good or enjoyable year. Well, you know, all we can do, <laughs> all we can do is dig in and report on the facts as we, as they come forward. It's true. It's true. Oh goodness gracious. But you know, we've got Halloween coming up. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to concentrate on the fun things for a while. Yeah. As and, much as you can. And you know, when it comes time to start, have to send poor reporters up to rainy, rainy speeches in New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any reporter on the face of the planet has ever enjoyed that beat <laughs> yeah that's yeah, it's it's rough it's yeah rough. oh yeah. goodness gracious well anyway we got halloween so that's nice we've got halloween i if we were talking earlier today about rock and shock with which craig's story on mm-hmm. his interview with bruce campbell yeah we've, great we've got a photo spread in this today's worcester magazine about um, factory of terror and anybody knows me knows I go a little hog wild for Halloween every, <laughs> every year. Right. And I think Womag is just going to get more and more deeper into the Halloween because it is fun. Yeah. Halloween's just fun. Yeah. I Why mean, not? I mean, Valentine's day can be fun, but it can also be really depressing, yeah. uh, you know, for some people and, yeah, Christmas, it's got a lot of baggage to it. Yeah. Thanksgiving's got a lot of baggage to it. There is absolutely no reason not to enjoy yourself on Halloween. Unless, That's true. Unless, okay, there's this really small number of people who have... you got to really have, hate fun. They hate fun. Maybe they have some religious objection. Uh, I can respect that, but you know, I think it is a distinct minority even within the religious community. I would say so. Yeah, yeah mostly it's about dressing up and having fun. And yes. Fa- fun, and I intend to do as much of that as possible this Halloween season. Yeah, let's get it going. All right. Halloween season has officially begun. It has. Rock and Shock is here. We are begun Halloween. All right. We're going to wind this up. Um, As always, you have been listening to the Worcester Culture Watch on telegram.com and worcestermag.com. And for at least a little while longer, Unity Radio 97.9 FM. Um, again, we are in a pilot program with Unity Radio, so we're hoping we're going to see if this works. If it works, we'll keep doing it. If it doesn't work, We'll shake hands and still keep loving each other because we can part ways and still be friends. It is possible. Right. Not everything has to be great drama. But right now, I'm actually of the opinion that the, so far, judging on the first week, it's working pretty well. So, hey, there Plus, we go. who doesn't like drama? So. Yeah, I don't uh, A little bit of drama is okay. A little bit of drama sells papers. So, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like getting a paycheck. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Enough being silly. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. Thank you and good night. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, 
freep.com or wherever you get your podcasts.